0: okay welcome everybody this is another episode of junior resource investing a podcast dedicated to deepening your understanding of the junior resource sector and some important and exciting plays within it as always i'm your host matthew just as a disclaimer, please remember that this is not financial advice. Neither myself nor my guests are financial advisors. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, for the full disclaimer, please check the YouTube notes below. Another reminder that there will always be a companion analyst report for this interview. A link to it can be found in the YouTube description. With that stuff out of the way, I'm pleased to present our latest guest, Paul Gill, CEO of Pampa Metals. Pampa is a pre-discovery copper porphyry explorer operating in Chile. It has eight pre-discovery plays in the D'Amico Cordillera Copper Belt and the Paleocene Volcanic Belt of Northern Chile, and and it trades on the CSE in Canada under the ticker PM and on the OTCQX in the States under the ticker PMMCF. Paul, nice to talk to you again. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Matthew. Good day so far for you? Absolutely. Yeah, excellent. So why don't we just start off, you know, Give us, give my listeners and myself, just a thirty-second elevator pitch on Pampa. You know what is Pampa? Why is your story compelling, and why should we care?
1: Yeah, Pampa Metals is a, comprised of eight projects located in a very productive area of Chile that hosts uh, several of the largest copper mines in the world, and uh, we have recently really focused on the Block Four project, Buena Vista. Uh, target, which indica- has indications of uh, of a discovery, and we are looking forward to drilling it. And I think that's what every copper company looks for.
0: Awesome, thank you. So, why don't you just run us through? I'd like I'd like to go through your personnel, I guess, first. So maybe we'll just start with you. Do you mind just kind of going through your personal history, you know, previous spots in your career, and then how you ended up at Pampa?
1: Yes, I started my career in mining in 2001 when I became part of Norsemont Mining, which was a TSX venture-listed company at the time, and uh, we uh, took over with what was essentially uh, an empty shell and then built it up with management and uh, directors, and uh, then uh, the, the CEO we hired Uh, at the time had a connection with uh, Rio Tinto and we bought a couple projects from Rio Tinto in Peru, which were, one of them uh, ended up being nothing. And the other one ended up becoming the Constancia deposit, which was then ultimately bought by HUD Bay uh, in 2011 for $500 million. So we had a, a really nice run. So that really uh, got me intrigued about the potential for mining and exploration plays and early stage uh, to development um, is is the area that I focus in. Since then, I've worked with Lomico Metals, Grenville Gold, um, Altair Resources, uh, a number of other uh, junior mining companies, and uh, uh, we are all looking to see that um, hockey stick moment when things go from ex- exploration and discovery to development.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then, to, I guess to to put a point on this, why are you the right man for the job? What what skills or experiences, would you touch on slightly, slightly there, what 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 do you bring that make that you think will help make Pampa successful?
1: Yeah, in my career, uh, what we have uh, seen. And the people I've connected with are all like-minded individuals that are looking for uh, alpha returns, like massive returns of 10 to 20X. And uh, you find uh, a sort of a collection of people that are involved in the de- development and creating of uh, these companies. And I found that Pampa was um, exactly at the stage that I felt was uh, important uh, for myself and my groups to get involved in. And so um, we felt uh, that there was a good match. The directors um, are fantastically experienced. The projects are good. The location is the top jurisdiction in all of, in the world. And so um, it felt like uh, the perfect fit. And I bring that network of uh, retail investors that can marry in well with our directors' connections uh, to the, the majors because many of them worked for the, the majors in that location of Chile.
0: Just as a follow up question, thank you. Executive experience, do you, do you mind kind of what, what do you have for executive experience in the mining sector?
1: Yes, I was uh, CEO, CFO, Corporate Secretary for Norsemont Mining from 2001 to 2006. I then became CEO of Grenville Gold and CEO of Lamico Metals in 2009 and uh, have served as, as on the board of directors of other small junior companies as well. So I think I have a, a wealth of experience on um, the corporate governance and uh, finance financing side, which I think is exactly what we need here at Pampa. Thank you. And you mentioned that, yeah, this
0: is a pre-discovery play, right? So, you know, something that I focus on and which I can't for you are, you know, economics of the, of the matter, right? The the bean counting NPV sustaining costs, right? Sensitivity to commodity pricing. So when it comes to picking uh, a pre-discovery play, it's not about you know, the, the, the number crunching. It's about you know jurisdiction. And we'll talk about Chile as a kind of land of contrast at the moment later on. But then also it comes down to team, right? And that's a phrase that I always use and as a cliche, but it's, it, you know, nevertheless is correct is, you know, bet on the jockey, right? Bet on the correct jockey. And so do you mind, you know, you've talked about yourself. Uh, what about the team, right? I mean, why, if 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 a pre-discovery play is all about the team that is brought to the table, why is your team so strong, or what what do they have in their you know, in their CVs that you think is is so effective?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question, and I think. Um, I would value our team over many others simply because of their extensive experience. Our chairperson, Adrian Manger, worked for BHP and uh, during the time that the Spence mine was being developed in Chile, so he's got extensive experience in not only assessing um, what, a, what makes a mine, but also how to develop it. Uh, Julian Bavin worked for Rio Tinto for a number of years, probably 20 or 30 at a high-level executive. Uh, state and was my predecessor as ceo and is still on the board of directors and has an uh, extensive network within uh the uh south american uh sphere and lives in chile part-time as well um uh de is uh, a geophysicist and worked for corporate development at uh, bhp and uh, is, a, is a, a great asset when it comes to assessing these pre-discovery situations, especially looking at uh, the information that's available at present, and a lot of it is geophysics. And most importantly, I think uh, uh, we have uh, Tim, Timothy Beal, who is a, um, an extensively uh, uh, well-known uh, geologist in, the, in this particular area of Chile, has uh, worked there for for many years, and is really the geological mind behind uh, the the programs and the discovery process. And uh, in addition to that, that very important management member is our CFO Gurdip Baines, who has uh, got uh, years of experience with Canaccord. is a well respected financial uh, CFO. Thank you. And honestly,
0: this is one of the reasons why I'm drawn to Pampa is that this, yeah, the strength of your team—a lot of, of major experience, right? A lot of people with a lot of experience in Chile. A lot of people with just the exact kind of relevancy that you need for this company. Uh, could you just—I mean, h- how did you? How did they come to be, right? I mean, were they headhunted? Were they? Did they seek out Pampa? Like, how how did you manage to actually assemble this fairly strong group of people?
1: Yeah, it's actually the other way around. In that, uh, this group of people uh, came together because they knew each other from their work in Chile. They had formed other peop- other groups, uh, such as Adrian and Julian, had been part of um, part of uh, you know development companies and junior mining companies in the past, and they came together to form this particular package around Timothy Beal, who has um knowledge of the of the land package, knew it was available from Austral Gold, and uh essentially they negotiated the um the option on all of these projects and ended up uh, uh, buying them one hundred percent uh from Austral Austral with uh, with NSRs attached of course. And I think that was uh an immensely important uh moment uh for me as I didn't participate in the the IPO or uh, or anything like that, but I was certainly watching as the company developed, and certainly bought shares in the market, and was attracted um, to it and, and introduced to the board of directors, becoming a an advisor uh, pre- previous to my joining the board. But um, it is exactly the kind of uh, package and team that uh, will have a good chance of making a discovery and i think we're well on the way to one and i think that's the uh, that's the development uh that occurs sometimes in in these particular uh, uh, situations is that um you get a moment in time where a perfect storm arises the copper prices are going up uh, there is some insecurity around uh, south america which provides an opportunity for the players that understand risk and uh, and for the investors that understand risk, and I think we've taken full advantage of of uh, being able to work there and uh, move these projects forward, and and really get uh, I think on the map with uh, with a big with a pre discovery.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you I, I know, I, and it's funny to call Chile and a contrarian pick for copper right now, but it seems it is a little bit in terms of kind of the, the common psyche of the market. But I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, I also want to comment. I agree that, I mean, anybody can call their land perspective, right? But obviously, having a strong team as you do adds legitimacy to that. Um, and I guess here's another here's another topic I'll return to is a question of of if it if this land is so perspective, why was it kind of passed around. But again, we'll come back to these. I just want to, I'm saying these out loud so I'll remember them, I suppose. But I guess just kind of moving through just the bullet points here, um, do you mind just walking us through share structure, options, warrants, what are they priced at, what's the insider percentage, and then maybe even what, you know, what are you in at and what's your average cost basis?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's 49 million shares out at present, approximately. Um, their uh, options are at 45 cents at present time. Um, The uh, first initial financing was done at 40 cents and has um, warrants at 60 and 65, some of which will be expiring soon. And so it's a fairly clean structure. The last financing of 1.6 million, which issued uh, about uh, 6 million shares, was done at 30 cents with a 50 cent half warrant. Um, and, And I participated heavily in that. Round, um, I had bought in the market uh, above that as well, and uh, I certainly feel that there's a long-term um, uh, structure here that that we can build upon. Um, so I'll leave it at that for now.
0: Sure. Just to clarify, fully diluted, let's assume every option, every warrant gets exercised. What's your what's the float then? What's the current share count?
1: I believe it's around sixty-two million if everything to be exercised, including options and warrants.
0: Thank you. And what's the current uh, insider ownership percentage?
1: I think it's uh, approximately 12% at this, per, uh, at this time. Um, we also count uh, Austral Gold as an insider as well because they own over 10%. Mm-hmm. I think they own 11% at present time. So uh, about, uh, I'd say, a, a quarter or a fifth of the company is owned, uh, by those two uh, groups Is there any
0: institutional ownership at the current time or is it majority retail?
1: It's majority retail at present and uh, I think uh, talking to institutions comes after uh, a discovery is made uh, and a drill program is uh, engaged to. Um, so I think that that will come shortly but uh, there is no uh, major institutional presence at this time yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll circle back here. I mean, I, I was looking through SETI and looking at your, your purchases and your sales and you've made a number of purchases, but you also had, I believe in the past spring here, I don't have the, the specific numbers in front of me, but I thought it was noteworthy you had some, se- some selling going on. And of course, as a retail investor, that's something that I look for. Do you mind just kind of explaining what was happening there that you went through with those sales?
1: Yeah, uh, essentially, um, we had uh, people who wanted to participate in the market. Um, I had uh, a number of free trading shares. We wanted also to to finance the company, so I uh, traded my shares out to those individuals and participated in the financing. So that's really the the gist of it. And, uh, and since that time, um, share price is correct, and I've continued to to add to my position.
0: Uh, excellent. So yeah, just bringing bringing money in house. Oh, yeah. oh, thank you. That's
1: yeah. You're creating creating. Um, I think some structure. I'm I'm then in control of the warrants as well, and uh, uh, I think that uh, you know on, on an ongoing basis we continue to see I think uh, building up of uh, positions, uh, especially at these uh, fairly low prices that Pampa is trading at mm-hmm. now, which is in the in the teens. Uh, which is really the other 52-week low sort of or even an all-time low for the company.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I mean, this sector, I believe there's an asymmetrical kind of risk-reward profile for the whole junior mining sector at the moment, right? Just, just beaten down without mercy for... Couple of years now, right? So I, this is why I love. I mean, right now this is the time. This is the time to buy, right? It's blood in the streets, as they say. Do you mind just running through? We've talked about institutional support. Uh, do you mind just telling me cash on hand? What does what does Pampa have for cash on hand at the moment?
1: Yeah, the last quarter we reported six hundred thirty-seven thousand in cash, including uh, our our accounts here in Canada and in Chile.
0: And current burn rate.
1: Uh, currently, the burn rate is uh, fairly low. It's about fifty thousand a month, and uh, we are looking, of course, to to finance and supplement uh, the the balance sheet at this at this price.
0: And that's that brings me up to another question here, right? Because financing is kind of in relatively short order, you know, you have exploration that you want to continue, you have you know, all these things that you want to do, and you need money. Um, I, would you just speak to your strategy regarding that, right? I mean, is this something where you hunker down and wait for the market to bounce a bit? Uh, I guess the issue is, is like catalysts bring money, but you need money to find catalysts. And so you, it seems like a bit of a catch-22. Can you just kind of walk through what your what your strategy is for this?
1: Well, our strategy is very straightforward. Um, We uh, did some extensive work at the Block Four, Cerro Buenos Aires uh, uh, projects, and uh, really got to a point where they were drill ready. And so uh, we're we're really excited now uh, about uh, doing that drilling campaign. But uh, we just ran out of time in May and had uh, snows that were potentially problematic in the area. So we didn't want to trap a a drill team or Mm -hmm. have an accident. Mm -hmm. So we ended up um, uh, pausing any drilling campaign at that time. Um, And and also we didn't have the financial capability as well. So now what we're continuing to do is uh, report on soils, soil sampling, and, uh, that kind of, uh, activity that will bolster, um, the information package and, um, and in short order, uh, nail down the financing and, uh, um, be able to move forward with the drilling campaign, which will be the, uh, the real, pr- the real generator of, of interest mm-hmm. for this, uh, for this property package.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And RC drilling, correct? Uh, no, we we want to do core drilling, uh, deep core drilling, uh, at Buena Vista because we feel that it merits that, hmm. um, and uh, we want to really test the depth of uh, what we feel is a profree discovery.
0: Exciting! I didn't I did not realize that. I thought it was RC. Uh, so now this will be projection. Um, no, considering you haven't done this as yet, but do you know approximately the, the cost per meter, cost per foot for your drilling campaign that you're projecting?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it is quite a, uh, an expensive process. Uh, over, I couldn't sit, comment on the exact cost per meter, and that's not always the, the major factor. The major factor here is also that we have to put a camp in um, to avoid uh, major traveling. So the real cost of drilling those two projects is about $3.5 million. Um, and I think that is a significant amount, and we, we're obviously going to be looking at institutional uh, um, help on that. Um, there's not a lot of retail uh, that can write checks like that. In fact, uh, at this level, um, it's probably not a good idea to attract retail um uh, unless it's in the market itself and um i think you know we've gone through the process of having our tires kicked pretty voraciously in the last little while because there is interest and in, and in, and the reason for it is very very um much linked to the fact that we have a magnetic anomaly which sits upon a ip anomaly which sits uh upon a stock work vein um um samples that have been taken from the ground so there's a number of i think factors that indicate that there is a appropriate discovery here and over overall it is a, a hill with a, a discoloration which indicates uh, you know an alteration alterations occurred in the soils and now we're waiting for soil samples to compare those results with um And that magnetic anomaly called Buena Vista with four or five other ones on the project. So that's the real upside sort of exciting aspect of um, and speculative. Yes, very speculative, but certainly uh, based on science, speculating based on science, not on Mm -hmm. uh, open whim.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess maybe let's let's
0: let's kind of transition into that then. I mean, you know, you have eight projects. That's, I mean, that's quite a few, for, especially for a junior, right? I mean, and and I, I have questions about maybe if, if you consider yourself a project generator or an, you know, a true explorer, but, I mean, Block 4 and Cerro Buenos Aires, is that fair to say that those are your two high priorities at the moment?
1: Yes, that's exactly it.
0: Okay, so if I may, I mean, you know, they... Why has this not been... These are previously or heretofore undrilled or almost totally undrilled, only if, I think a handful of drills, drill holes, if I'm correct. Why, right? I mean, I guess that's a fairly blunt question, but, I mean, Chile is, you know, the, the beating heart of copper in the world. You're right next door to some absolutely massive, massive deposits and mines. Why are these overlooked? Why has this not been explored as of yet?
1: This is not a friendly place to go. I mean, Block 4, it looks like Mars. I mean, it is... <laughs> It is hot. It is not a green thing in sight, and uh, it, it is, uh, you know, piles and piles of rocks that have been created by the freezing and thawing uh, over 15 million years. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people have visited property. Even these, even that one project, the the uh, is eight kilometers across. Um, so that's a lot of area to cover. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just got down to that point where the, the remoteness of this is is very important. There has been previous drill holes, but they didn't hit in this particular area. Or they didn't see this particular um, surface anomaly, which is now very apparent. Maybe there's been a change in the climate or some other factor that's uh, that's occurred. But we don't know. I think that's that's the the, the genesis of the of the uh, sort of um, analysis of why we haven't no one's found anything on block 4 previously and of course the pro free um um stock work veining that we found was at depth mm. um it was 25 meters down or 25 feet down and needed a backhoe uh, on a trench to find so that was the, the real smoking gun of, of kicking up everything a notch. The interest level, the um, the focus uh, on that project. Mm-hmm. And in regards to Cer- Cerro Buenos Aires, that's an area that has been explored previously, um, and um, and uh, other other. Groups, including majors, have um, you know, looked at it and probably thought this is an interesting area, but they haven't looked uh, hard enough there, um, and uh, have, I think, to some extent, um, um, you know, picked up and dropped the project because of the copper price fluctuations. <laughs> And uh, that really was the, the key to our property package. Where the property package was put together, we were able to buy the entire package for seven million dollars and seven million shares. Um, and that's a, a very uh, I think a very good price for something like this. To compare and contrast, when our total purchase price for the Northmont uh, uh, constancia project from Rio Tinto was about uh 20 million dollars and then we had to spend another 30 million on to get to a hundred percent of that project because uh there was another group that owned 70 30 of it so imagine a 50 million dollar uh package that's just one one project the constancy project whereas here in pampa you have eight projects um of considerable size and and of course of of perspective value as well so of course um i think everyone who does take a good look at this company um can see the the perspective nature of it and the team of course gives you some confidence and i think a great level of confidence in my in my um uh, opinion on the uh the actual value of these projects and uh, the potential of the projects so uh, beyond just those two I've mentioned Redonda Veronica would be a, a close third and then there is um uh, because there is uh, some r- uh, RC drilling that's uh, encountered porphyry um uh, on that project so that obviously needs a, a further drill program, but, um, the other, the other groups such as block, uh, block three, um, that's uh, surrounding a, a project owned by Anglo Americans. So there's obviously an angle there. Um, um, and the, the two other ones, Morris Blancos and Cerro Blancos are actually optioned to back to Austral gold in an interesting transaction that pre was, uh, previous to my involvement, but um, they they received those um, projects back. They're working on them now. They, they had one drill program. They're going to do another one but in when they when they option we option those shares back instead of taking shares of Austral we actually canceled shares that they owned of Pampa metals so the, the the actual dilution dropped by about two million shares so very interesting deals there um, the one pro- one or two projects that uh, I think uh, are, are less explored and less um uh, perspective at this point in time, or the Arios projects and and the Block Two, which um, should uh, I think at some point get further attention. But um, you know, priorities are priorities.
0: Mm. There's a few different angles that I want to go with this. I guess maybe that's where we'll we'll start where you ended. Is that with with eight different projects? I mean, after a certain point, you kind of have to pick your prom date, right? Um, how long, I mean, are, are you going to be doing earthwork? I mean, are you going to try to drill all eight and see where you're at? I mean, what's your plan? I mean, if you're going to hold on to, say, two or three, is your plan that in the near future that you'll maybe sell them off for capital or what, what's your, or you just JV them and let someone else do the work or what's your strategy?
1: Yeah, well, plan A is to fund Pampa uh, uh, to the extent where there's no dil- dilution but yet uh, still a lot of um, uh, money raised in order to, to work on the mall. Now, the comp- if the company was at $5, of course we'd be raising $50 million. Mm-hmm. But at, at $0.20, cents, we have to prioritize. And uh, then, um, to some extent, that's why the project generator model uh, was created, so that um, projects can move forward and uh, be explored by um, bringing in joint venture partners that, that have uh, attention to them. Uh, so uh, our our plan A, of course, was to to fund everything ourselves and own everything ourselves. Plan B is to keep the best projects and then perhaps joint venture out the, some of the other ones. And uh, plan C might be to to drop some of those projects as well because they are um, perhaps uh, uh, not as, uh, as prospective as some of the other ones we have.
0: Okay, thank you. So maybe this is a good opportunity for us to just maybe elucidate a bit on the history of the land packages themselves. This is something that I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole trying to find out and, and research because it is a bit of a convoluted history. Pampa itself is less than two years old, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and and these these eight different Land parcels have kind of been married together and passed from company to company for a number of years, uh, and I guess not that I necessarily need you to specifically kind of break down a, a, a you know year by year, blow by blow basis, but I guess maybe a return to this. I mean, and maybe you've already answered this question, but you know, if it, with this prospectivity, why are these packages, parcels of land, always kind of? second fiddle are always being the ones that are being spun out or, or, or sold off to another organization. why you know if, if they are so prospective, um, why are they always kind of second choice for the companies that own them?
1: Yeah really what happens uh, Matthew is that um, uh, companies come together and the fluctuating price of copper has affected the ability of some of these com- the companies that own the packages in the past from raising money. Um, previously, I'm, I'm aware of one of the predecessor companies um, called Rivello, which which had uh, a considerable land package and um, that included some uh, all of these projects, but uh, just couldn't get enough funds together to to do some of the, the very key exploration needed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to do identify targets, and then uh, got into to debt, and then as soon as you you get into debt, you know you're not able to pay, and so mm-hmm. therefore they they sold a project in order to to uh, pay off the debt uh, as a package, and uh, Austral Gold just happened to be uh, a group that was available and cash rich to buy some of these projects and. So that uh, was the, the genesis of some of the, the projects moving around and then once a, a company like Pampa was established on an IPO basis we went they went back and and optioned those projects back from Austral gold or bought them from Austral gold for cash and and uh, if you follow uh, some of uh, the trials and tribulations of Austral uh, they are a gold producer they just had a number of different um, uh, challenges in in the next little while, which relate to to upgrading equipment, and, um, and recently just had uh, some mineralization, uh, mineralized material stolen uh, from from mm-hmm. one of the uh, one of the uh, projects. So uh, it's been challenging for them. So you know, uh, I think that there's a certainly a level of uh, of support there from Austral and uh, we hope to make them quite a bit of money from our project portfolio, and, uh, and they will hopefully be able to, uh, to uh, continue to support uh, us uh, in, in the way they have.
0: Mm-hmm. They are JV partners on two of your land packages, is that correct?
1: Yes, the uh, Cerro uh, um, Blanco and uh, Morris Blanco's. Okay. Those are the ones that are, you know, it looks like the system is entirely intact and has the gold and silver showings. And uh, that's their focus is to look at that gold and silver cap that's on the projects. And uh, our our board of directors will point out to you uh, no less, and so I better do it, uh, that uh, should the entire project actually have more copper value than gold value, uh, it, we have the option to buy back uh, the project up to eighty um, uh, percent with uh, with the a similar amount of expenditures that Austral has performed. So they are now optioning those two projects up to eighty percent and have to write a, a pre-feasibility study in order to complete the option, uh, which is an extensive, you know, process, of course, uh, and uh, on on the you know, for the contrary, we also have the option to get those projects back, which um, uh, we will do if, if there is a, you know, a, a copper discovery there. Mm-hmm.
0: No, thank you. Two more JVs, is my understanding and that Redondo Veronica BHP was a JV with a previous entity, and that Tech Resources was a JV with on Cerro Blanco, and then both of them and. In, in, Previous years have backed out. Do you just do you know as to why they, they backed out of those deals?
1: I, I don't know the exact reason. I believe it was really the collapsing copper prices that happened. And I think just to correct you, I think uh, Tech had looked at Cerro um, Buenos Aires, uh, okay. which is different from Cerro Blancos, um, which is which is Austral's uh, um, uh, joint venture. Um, yeah, uh, on on that uh, again, I think it, it's got to be going down to the copper prices, and um, and uh, once the copper price collapses, everyone's interest in in um, in in you know exploration sort of wanes, which is strange in my mind. Uh, I would feel the opposite way. That's a time to 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 buy and purchase mm-hmm. uh, copper mm-hmm. projects, and our team definitely did at that point in time, and. and I think we've, uh, shareholders have benefited, benefited from having, uh, that foresight by the board of directors.
0: No, absolutely. I, agree. yeah, you, you want to buy on the downswings, right? There's no sense in paying yeah. top dollar at the top of the bull market, right?
1: Well, there's, uh, two philosophies. Of course, there's buy low, sell high or build, buy low, build high and, you know, buy high, sell higher, which, uh, again, that's, uh. That's a sort of a a market uh, philosophy that one group may or may not have. But um, I certainly believe in building higher.
0: Hmm. No, thank you. Good answer. If we, if I may here, let's transition because obviously Chile has been in the news for, I guess, the wrong reasons. You may say when it comes to to mining and and kind of and that sort of sector. Um, I mean, Chile is obviously just historically a massive part of copper. I think it's fifth that the it's ten percent of Chile's GDP is is copper, right? That they're by far the world's largest producer. Uh, but more recently, right with the previous election, there's some kind of wailing and gnashing of teeth or consternation about that that the impact of the, those politics on miners and explorers. Um, do you just want to, like, what do you say to, how do you allay the concerns of investors, right? When, when people talk, when you're talking to potential institutional investors or, you know, or high net worth individuals who are, you know, are interested but wary, what's what do you say to them?
1: Yeah, I always say you know, do a mental zoom out on Google Maps and look at the world and where copper is produced in the world and you will find... Three of the biggest mines are located in northern Chile around Antofagasta, and you will also find that it produces 26 percent of the world's copper. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia isn't uh, uh, even that influence, uh, that much of an influence, where they own, they produce 10 percent of the world's oil. So. Given the electric vehicle revolution that's going on now and the fact that there's development happening all over the world, it is absolutely vital to to maintain some interest in and uh, focus on Chile. So once we start from that base, then we can analyze the politics of Chile. And, you know, if you look at comparative politics between Chile and Argentina or Chile and any other location in South America, it is by far the most stable democracy uh even though it has that 1972 pinochet uh, issue it has been um, no major regime changes or revolutions or anything like that Um, they've continued to produce copper and it's continued to to be a a net benefit to the citizens of chile i think currently and coming up to to now there have been left-wing and right-wing politics and politicians but the choice in Chile was very stark. Um, you know, you had uh, sort of a centrist left candidate who might be considered even more left than anyone else had ever been in, in um, Boric uh, versus um, someone who uh, literally, has, his father was a Nazi. Um, and uh, so, you know, given the choice, if you were in that country, what choice would you make? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't, Fault anyone from Chile voting the way they did. It was still a close election, but really, I think we we can see the, the kind of dangers that arise in um, in in places like uh, because it is also a very big supplier of lithium as well. So the importance of Chile is is um, is a little known secret, I think, um, to the general public. Uh, but a very important and very well-known uh, fact to people in the industry itself, and I think that's the um, that's the you know the basis of analysis. Then we go on to well, is this particular um, is this particular you know uh, regime or or government going to be much worse or much better? for Chile in the long run and for for copper production in the long run. And I would argue that it's going to be much better because what they're bringing in and the most um, base level uh, um, policies are to add a, a pension to the Chilean population to alleviate poverty with the with the elderly and have some sort of focus um, for uh, for people after they stop work. I completely support that. You and I, mm-hmm. you know, benefit from that in in developed worlds. I think uh, that should be the case for people in Chile. Why should we deny them that and argue against it? I mean, that's that's asinine. Um, so, if you look at it from that point of view, I agree with that. Um, there had, uh, and I think Borch has been very, very smart in that he's steadily progressed to the center left mm-hmm. away from the. The, the far uh, left communist league that was talking about nationalization, I think talk of nationalization was was put uh, pretty much uh, on the back burner if not turned off completely um, and that, that again is, is something to understand about Chile is that the center does control a lot of what goes on, uh, the center groups, the, the center democrats, etc. Are, are the ones that are 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 really uh, to the forefront, and I think that what we've seen is that uh, they rejected uh, a number of uh, changes to the mining jurisdictions at this point in time, or mining law through the National Assembly, which is going on, which had been going on even before Boric became uh, the govern uh, the uh, the president. And so, uh, what you see is just a uh, a small evolution, not a a huge overturning. Of of the economy and the and the political uh, and and uh, cultural sort of uh, aspects of Chilean uh, life, Um, as you know, you see that in Venezuela, not for good reasons. Um, You know, it's absolutely been a complete debacle, and so is Bolivia. And. Ecuador is no better. I don't think Peru is going in the right direction. I think Chile has it right, and it's important for the world to understand that we have to support um, this regime and what they're doing, because if we don't, then, you know, cruder options, such as, you know, um, taking away rights and all of that may be on the table. But I think what they're really focused on is protecting the environment. They've they've said to Barrick that you can't mine near a glacier, we would, I think, in anywhere in mm-hmm. North America, they would say the same. So I think mm-hmm. that um, you know, with the with the forefront uh, or, or the the new developments in uh, ESG policies, I think they're going in the right direction, and they're they're going to um, continue to be a big supplier, and that's why we're there, and why you know we took advantage of what uh, while others uh, were fearful. Um, we are positive and uh, moving forward. Thank you. Very articulate
0: and dense answer. That I'll try to find a couple of VAX entry points here. That lots that I would love to. This is one that I'd have to sit down over a beer with you, I think, and, and get going on it. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I agree, though, right? This is again why Pampa as I'm drawn to it as a play is that you have this kind of, it's funny to call Chile this contrarian copper play, but I think that that's where it's come to, right? That, that if you listen to Borch's rhetoric on the campaign trail versus now that he's assumed office, the, as you've said himself, right? Those sharp edges are kind of being dulled. If you look at cam- cabinet choices that he's made, it's, it's clear that he is here to play ball, not he's here to play the game or to play ball, not to upturn the table. If that, if, if, yeah. if that, if I can kind of butcher a metaphor, right? Um, and I think that uh, that, as you said, I mean, all the concerns they have are legitimate, right? I mean, environmental concerns that they are they're, they're opening up their constitution, having this referendum, and and I think that there's, I mean, and this is again, I mean, every investor has to make this decision for themselves, but I think that it's a good faith effort on his part uh, to to balance the needs of the uh, to introduce new priorities while still maintaining old ones, right? Because I think that it, it, I mean again, 10% of your GDP is copper, to kill the golden goose by creating kind of overly onerous sort of uh, regulations is not in their best interest. Um, and I think also that because Chile is a very mature copper producer, they need greenfield exploration or, you know, they need these, these plays such as your own, right, that, they, that they, they cannot kind of sit still because to stand still is to fall behind because they continue to produce. So I think there's, I mean, I, I, guess I just not really a question here for you, just kind of a, a comment or an, an agreement, right? That, that I think he understands that the, the the burden of leadership requires you to be a bit more practical or measured in your approach, and that that copper is such an integral part of their economy that to to absolutely kind of axe it is. I, I again, I mean, this is my own personal investing thesis that I just I don't see it. You know, people kind of thought the sky was falling with Chile, and I, I'm not sure I buy it, right? So again, kind of funny. I've said this a couple times. Yeah, funny to call Chile. No, sorry.
1: Uh, I was just going to, to say on that that you know Chile is a is still a global citizen. They're working, I think, towards the net benefit of the world, and I think that's the that's what you have to look at. In and looking at any given country the risk factor is you know russia is not working to the net benefit of the mm-hmm. entire world here we know that china is not doing that it's working on it for itself but uh, groups uh, in chile i think uh, you don't want to isolate them or do a, or some sort of um um capital strike because uh, they're asking for a pension for their elderly people i mean
0: mm-hmm. really guys
1: Take a take a good look at, at yourself in the mirror sometimes, and think about what you're really saying. And that's where hmm. I think you know this whole concept of of um, you know being fearful or or um, cutting off ties and, and uh, avoiding certain areas, you know, is is really an immature kind of analysis. And you know, do your research. And you know, Matthew, you've done yours. I've done mine. Uh, I'm just asking people who who listen to this and are writing checks and, and part of institutions to do your real research yourself, not um, to just believe the latest headline from someone, some paid piece that's been out there about the end of the world coming from Chile. Mm-hmm.
0: No, excellent. Thank you. It's yeah. Interesting topic that I would like to get into further, but for the sake of kind of, Precision and specificity, well, maybe we'll move on, but no, thank you. We might be
1: moving from beer to scotch. Yeah. uh, We're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, why don't we kind of bring it on track to kind of more traditional kind of uh, questions here? Do you mind just running through? You know, you're, what did you first half of twenty twenty two exploration campaign? What did you do? And second half? I know that we're kind of a little further into the second half here than to split it into half the year. But you know, H one, H 2 2022, What have you done? And what will you be doing?
1: Yeah, the the first two quarters were very active. Um, we had uh, uh, the financial capability to do uh, magnetic resonance IP. Uh, I'm sorry, not magnetic resonance, uh, IP and, um, and uh, soil samples and, and some uh, small amount of, of uh, prospecting on various different projects, but mostly focused on the, the two important ones, Buena, Buena Vista tar- target within the Block 4 property and the Cerro Buenos Aires um, uh, Cerro target uh at sarah buenos aires and so i think that's what we have done what what we want to do is pile on um various points of data which include um the you know the ip the magnetics soil samples and then we're also we're working with uh, a group in chile called Ver ai which is um uh, has their own projects eight projects that we have under option and are 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 doing the the groundwork on but they are also reviewing some of the information that we've collected on our projects, in addition to having you know, terabytes of, of information available uh, from, uh, from the Chilean archives. So we really want to put together a very comprehensive uh, package of information here that uh, will pinpoint additional targets on the, pro- on, the, on the two or three projects that we feel are, are at the top of the list here and uh and then we also I think have 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 stepped ground uh' put our boots on the ground on um, all of the very AI projects as well so uh, through our Chilean um, geological uh, group that um, that is uh, you know uh, our our real hands feet and eyes. Uh, on the ground, so we're very happy with the developments in the first quarter. We've really stalled since then because of, of a lack of financial capability to do the the follow-up drilling. By the time we were ready to get right into raising money for drilling, um, the season uh, was in uh, April and May, and and we couldn't uh, couldn't get on the project. And and that uh, delay sometimes is is good to take a breath and analyze what's happened and which we've done and and we've been very active in sharing information with with various groups uh, during that period and and uh, keeping keeping the phone lines very active and so now I think at this point in time uh, September is a time to put some of that those funds in the bank and and get back to actual drilling so no real activity in the in the second quarter is taking place other than the soil sampling program on Buena Vista. So we're eager to get back on the ground. And that's partly due to seasonal and partly due to financial reasons.
0: So I guess this is going to circle back and, and, and kind of kill two birds with one stone, but you mentioned that it that uh, to build a camp and to drill out Block 4 and the Cerro Buenos Aires it would be about 3.5 million dollars. Uh, so I, well just let's assume that that's your target here for your financing or, or a portion of that. I guess my question then is that how many, how many meters of drilling and I know that this I mean I can't expect you to give me a precise answer, but uh, you know ballpark figure, how many meters of drilling are you hoping to do in your next campaign?
1: Yeah, I think 2,000 meters. Uh, would be good 1,500 on the um, uh, block four target or Buena Vista target, and uh, uh, a 500 uh, meter campaign on the uh, on the Cerro Verde.
0: And how deep are these targets?
1: Uh, I believe that the, what we're seeing uh, from the stock work veining, etc., that uh, on block four and Buena Vista that the mineralization really starts uh, pretty much near surface, within 25 uh, meters of surface, and continues down for several hundred meters. So we certainly want to test that area to, to discover what the um, what the copper content and gold content is. Uh, on Cerro Buenos Aires, it also is, is because it, it's an upraised area. There's there is probably uh, about uh, 30 to 40 meters worth of of burden to get through before hitting hitting the target mineralization.
0: Well, that's relatively shallow. I mean, I think that what you're seeing, I mean, in North America is where I'm more comfortable typically in terms of my own research, but you know, that people keep going, having to go deeper and deeper undercover, right? You know, hundreds of meters of cover. So if if it's only within a few dozen meters of surface, I mean, that, that certainly helps with exploration, with economic viability as well. So that's that's a definite positive.
1: Yeah, well, certainly, uh, me, you know, some of my own sort of thoughts on, on the, the Buena Vista target um, is that there is potential there for for lateral dissemination, which is really exciting. Um, you know, uh, there is an Escondida fault. The Escondida fault runs right through the project between the Buena Vista target and the four other magnetic targets, um, and that's post-mineralization, so it doesn't affect any dissemination. But obviously, there was a weakness in that particular vicinity, which would uh, be amenable to sort of a lateral dissemination of this porphyry. And <laughs> if you look at the the hill and and the picture of the of the mineralization, it is on uh, a certain side of the hill that that is also somewhat interesting um, and may have been one finger in a, in a hand that's, um, mm-hmm. that's come up on the ground. Here. And, uh, so we feel that, uh, certainly that, um, that, um, bodes well for, for, I think, uh, a very interesting target to drill. Mm.
0: So then I, you know, the, obviously the major catalyst will be financing and presumption of drilling campaigns. Do you, You know again uh, things you know at the whims of the market sometimes it's difficult to be specific or to give hard numbers but when do you anticipate potentially getting that diamond core rig up there and and getting moving again
1: yeah it's a hard question to answer we haven't done the financing yet and uh, we should try to um, cinch that up um, hopefully shortly um, you know again no nothing is certain in in the markets as well I mean no, it mm-hmm. pertains to pricing and uh, so many other factors as well um, but uh, if that's the case then we should be able to get drills turning uh, in November and december
0: November december thank you and in terms of, avail- of rig availability is there issues potentially with rig crews or rigs being unavailable down there or, or is there a shortage or how's that?
1: Uh, certainly there there is a shortage of good of really top-notch a-level crews so um, certainly you want to use uh, some of the best uh, companies down there so that limits the amount of of, of options um, so yeah that that is something I don't have the information on the, mm-hmm. on the top of my mind at this point in time as to who might be available but we've talked to some of the the very good ones and we feel that we can uh, attract uh, some of them to this project simply because of the the interest level in, in the project already mm. and the potential mm-hmm. for sort of a long-term contract
0: thank you uh, we're kind of kind of gearing up here to the tail to the tail end of things here I guess this is a question I've asked because I mean we are in a, a very rough market for junior explorers and producers do you just want to talk about your own strategy, right? I mean, of course, the sector will eventually turn, uh, but you know, not all companies make it to that turn, to that upswing, right? What, what, where are you? How, what are you doing? What's your strategy to make sure that you are in a position that Pampa can appreciate and value, property, right? I mean, is this a question? I guess yeah. not to lead you, but do you, you know, do you go into hibernation mode, or what, how do you, how do you deal with these downswings? Yeah.
1: Well, calm seas never made good captains. <laughs> so you need rough seas to see who is going to to handle it and uh, is, uh, is 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 a, a group that you want to invest with. And um, I think with our team, we definitely have the uh, the network that will put us above you know ninety percent of the companies in this particular area. Um. Uh, from the board of directors and on the market side we have a group of very good investors and long-term investors. Uh, part of part of that group is my own group that's um, uh, been with me and um, uh, was very active in my previous company Lamico Metals and even previous to that under um, other companies I've been involved in. Uh, so those long-term relationships are I think very important um, because we we have a full package. We do have certainly fluctuations in the in the price of the stock, but w- what's important is there's always buyers for that stock at any level, and it, it is a there's a group that's accumulating uh, a large position because that's the only way you um, you can move forward. You have strong hands that hold the stock versus the weak hands. It might have. Come in in the in financings or in the IPO. And you have to remember that in any IPO, there might be some some seed shares that were given that uh, are now hitting the market at uh, mm-hmm. for them a four or five X return. So you don't fault people for taking that, but um, you do fault them for not understanding the future.
0: <laughs> Thank you. So just a couple more here and you've been very forthcoming. and I appreciate that. Thank you. It makes for a strong conversation, but I guess maybe I'll just ask you this here. This is again a question I I close out with just because I think it's valuable for people to hear it from the CEO, but what's the biggest risk facing Pampa from here for it to be a profitable success for, you know, say that a listener buys in tomorrow, right? What's, what's the biggest risk facing you and current shareholders? And then how, what are your plans to mitigate that risk?
1: yeah our biggest risk at this point in time is financial we need to close uh, a financing uh, we need to have people phone us to say they're willing to participate in that or in the market and uh, i think that that is the biggest uh, risk that we face at this point in time i think the property risk is is Uh, somewhat low um you know we have uh the the and in my estimation the country risk is low and the commodity price is very low so in fact you know uh it is really a perfect storm uh in my mind and that's why i'm very strong uh in in reaching out to my network and um, to my network's network to tell them about this opportunity uh, because i've been there before i've been at this stage in a, in a junior copper mining company and yes, there was all kinds of challenges but um, you know those challenges are overcome by a good team and we, we have that um, and by strong shareholders uh, working together. Uh, we're only as, as strong as our weakest link in this situation so the more strong hands and, and uh, uh, sound minds we have the better we will be.
0: Thank you, and I guess this you know I, I, I neglected to do it with this interview. I mean I I think that the bull thesis for copper is blindingly obvious over the medium to long term. Right? You mentioned electric vehicle, and the, I mean this the, the the amount of infrastructure and grid that will have to be replaced to to green up our world makes copper as to maybe the short term with Chinese demand uh, is a bit more iffy or a bit more suspect, but that uh, over the long term it's this is why I'm a, I'm a big copper porphyry fan. Absolutely. Um, another just kind of boilerplate question uh why is Papa worthy of my hard-earned money
1: yeah what we have said is uh you have a group of uh very experienced professionals have come together to create a a very qualified team to not only make a discovery but also uh develop a, a project um you have a location that's um uh, on the A-list of where to build a mine, where there's 10 or 15 majors that have already built mines and are participating in mines. Uh, you have uh, uh, a, a property portfolio that's very prospective and uh, a lot of indications of, a, of the discovery that is yet to be drilled. Uh, those are the, the most compelling reasons anyone can participate. And the the A-1 reason is we have a project in Block 4 in Buena Vista that has very similar characteristics to Escondida, the biggest mine in the world.
0: Not a bad reason. Yeah, Not a bad list of reasons. Uh, final thoughts, parting words, so I'll leave that to you, Paul.
1: Well, yeah, I think that um, you know what we've seen is a lot of wealth destruction over the summer, whether it be in conservative plays or in in speculative plays but um, the strong companies will bounce back and September is a time to see and view those bounce backs and we certainly have seen I think a 52 week low in, in last week and um, and certainly uh, a 30 percent recovery from there in the stock price so I think we're um, we're seeing uh, I think uh, a leveling off in perhaps uh, the end of a of a sell-off period for some of the people who participated in our financing about five months ago, so I think that's a another that compelling reason to to watch what uh is doing.
0: Well, thank you, Paul. It was a very interesting conversation for me. Thank you. Um, thanks to you. Thanks to my listeners. Uh, if you want more information, please head over to PampaMetals.com, and and that's the and it's a fairly. I thought it was a very professional looking website. Lots of excellent information on it. Uh, and you can find me under the name Junior Resource Investing on Spotify, YouTube, or other kind of other podcasting websites. Uh, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day.